Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Catherine Elliott. This time last year, Catherine was diagnosed with breast cancer. Catherine has always been fit, active, and healthy, which is why it came as such a shock to her when she was diagnosed with triple positive breast cancer. She discovered the lump herself as she was getting ready for work, and her normal life turned upside down as she went through numerous appointments, scans, a procedure to put a port in her arm, and started an intense six-month program of 16 rounds of chemotherapy. Her approach specifically combines conventional medicine with alternative therapies, which she believes has kept her body and mind clear, strong, positive, and healthy during the treatment process. Join us as Catherine walks us through her courageous fight with breast cancer, her diagnosis, the changes to her skin. Whether you've been going through breast cancer firsthand or you know someone that is, the more you know about it, the better you can show up for yourself or another individual who could use support. I started by asking Catherine what she thought was the biggest misconception about breast cancer treatments. I think the biggest misconception about breast cancer treatments is that they are kind of all the same. The the thing that was really interesting for me when I was diagnosed was that treatments are now so tailored depending on what type of breast cancer you have and what stage you're at. And the other thing I think for me was that treatment length can really vary depending on where you're at in the process and the type of breast cancer that you have as well. So yeah, for me, those two things were something I learned very quickly early on. The other thing that I found, I guess, quite a shock was the huge amount of appointments and sort of pre-screening tests and things that you had to even do before you started treatment as well. Yeah, I can imagine. So tell us about your story. Yeah, interestingly enough, this month is coming up to 12 months since I found the lump in my breast, which, yep, it was just a normal day for me. I've been at the gym. I was rushing around, having a shower, getting ready for work. And um, for some reason, I just went out into our bedroom. We've got a big, long mirror. I stood in front of it and I just looked and something just felt weird. So I looked down at my right breast and I could see a, a raised sort of, I guess, lump and a little bit of skin change on there, like a little bit of dimpling. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is that? And quickly felt it and realised it, yeah, it felt like quite a quite a solid mass, something that I'd not noticed before. And I felt this panic absolutely shoot through my body and I literally, I lost my breath. I felt sick. And I think I knew right then and there that something very serious was up. Called my husband, or screamed to my husband. He came running up. 
I said, oh my gosh, look at this. He, he felt it and went, oh my gosh, that, yeah, that is a definite lump. I booked into the GP that day, went and saw my GP who did a, you know, an examination and, and then I was put through to the Melbourne Breast Unit straight away. I saw them pretty much a day afterwards, had a number of different tests there. I was very grateful that they gave me you know, their honest opinion early on that they thought it was breast cancer and, it, you know, that was the likely kind of diagnosis. And, yeah, I had a mammogram, an ultrasound, a biopsy, a number of tests in those kind of first day or two. And then I guess, yeah, from finding the lump on the Wednesday to the Friday, I was then given a diagnosis of aggressive, locally advanced breast cancer triple positive which meant that both hormones were part of kind of the cancer growth and I also had another protein called the HER2 protein which uh, also had appeared through the pathology too so all of that information is really valuable in determining the treatment that you have so yes I had triple positive breast cancer and then yes started my chemotherapy treatment pretty much the following week I had to have a number of tests beforehand you know scans full body scans brain scans to check that you know I didn't have cancer through my body and yeah I guess even one of the you know I guess when I was going through the shock of the diagnosis one of the really I guess moments for me that stood out was even when I found out that the cancer hadn't spread I felt such a relief that it hadn't and that I was dealing with breast cancer that hadn't spread other parts of my body at that point in time and yeah so then yeah I started chemo had a port put into my arm on the Wednesday and started chemo on the Thursday so it was a full-on experience and the chemotherapy was a six month five to six month intensive program of chemo to try and basically shrink the lump with also some targeted treatment in there as well which I was I guess I feel very lucky to have been able to have that because of the type of breast cancer that I had and so that was also part of I had that infused with part of my chemotherapy treatment and then after chemotherapy I had a break for about a month and had surgery I had a lumpectomy and then radiation treatment after that and I'm still on targeted therapy treatment until November so by the time I finish in November I will have been going through active treatment for I guess you know 15 to 16 months. Wow what a story I'm so sorry that you had to go through that what was it like telling your friends and family and the rate that you were diagnosed to then the treatment was so quick like Mm. did you even have time to process what was going on? Ah, no, I absolutely don't think I did have time to process what was going on. I think when you're given a breast cancer diagnosis, it's like you're flung off the treadmill of your life that you've been used to being on and you're just flung onto this island, this desolate island where you're kind of all on your own for a bit and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, what do I do? Am I going to fall off? How am I going to deal with this? And I think I was lucky during my career. I'd sort of worked in communications and PR and I guess I'd done kind of and crafted a lot of messaging for clients in different situations. 
And so for me, the first couple of things that really came into my mind was really important was I wanted to be in control of how I communicated my diagnosis and also how I approached it. So in telling people, what I did was I crafted a text message that I sent to my close friends and family about what the diagnosis was and then how I wanted to approach it so that they could digest the information first before we had the conversation rather than having to manage all that initial reaction and grief and, oh, my gosh, I wanted to protect myself from having to manage other people's responses. So I actually found that that was really powerful and really useful because I also, in that message, said that my approach to treatment and to the diagnosis was going to be a positive approach and that I didn't want people coming in with their fear or their negative stories and that I and if they did could they let you know could they park that so I think that was really important look it was the hardest thing you know to tell my both my parents and and my husband and kids because you know that you're going you're delivering news it's going to be really painful for them and you can't protect them from that and you don't know what the result or the outcome is going to be and that for me again was really really felt quite traumatic and quite hard but again i i've always emotionally been i guess a pretty open person and so my i decided that the way that i was going to communicate was i was going to be very open with what i was going through and my kids my boys were going to be part of that journey and that i wanted to make sure that we weren't trying to protect them with what was going on, that they were at an age where they could see and feel and hear and know that what I was going through was big and that it was important for them to, yeah, be there for me as well. So, yeah, those, those first couple of weeks were the hardest. Even when I think back to them now, it makes me feel emotional because your whole life changes so quickly and you're thrown into a completely different existence from the one that you thought that you were going to have. And it does take a while for your mind and your body to adjust to all of that. That's really mm. powerful. And even just the way that you chose to communicate and when you feel like you're losing all control, one thing that you could control is how you communicated it and the response from your loved ones and family members. What fabulous advice. You mentioned that you looked in the mirror and noticed that you had a rippling of the skin. Mm. So would you say that you're one that was quite already intuitive of your body or in touch with your body? Were you doing regular breast examinations or was it just by chance that you noticed this? I actually think that I had lost a bit of touch of being in my body in, that, in the six months leading up to finding the lump. I think we'd been through winter and I'd been, you know, I'd been rushing. I'd been going to the gym a lot and I, um, you know, we cover up a lot in winter. I wasn't really putting much cream on my body. And I think I'd really lost touch with just physically being in contact with myself, which is a really important part of my, you know, of my message is that I think it's really important for us to know our own 
breasts, our own breast tissue. And it's really important that we're in regular contact with our own body to know what the changes are because everyone is so different in terms of their breast tissue and the density and the lumps and all the different things that happen, you know, even hormonally. And look, I wasn't self-checking regularly. No, I had, I think eight months, 10 months earlier, I'd had a check at the GP. So, and nothing had come up at that point in time. And so we know that the cancer was, I guess, aggressively growing and had sprung up reasonably quickly. Yeah. So for me, it was a big shock, but it was also a huge reminder to me that we need to take responsibility and accountability for our own breast health as well. And once I was diagnosed, I then spent actually a lot of time feeling and getting I guess in touch with even in the lump and being understanding what that felt like and then over time as it started to get smaller it, you know it, it just made me feel really good in a lot of ways that I could feel the changes as I was going through treatment and I also developed a new respect I guess you know, for my body, what it was going through, that sometimes there's stuff going on under the surface that we have really no idea about. And yeah, I was really, I guess, on another another level wanting to, I guess, but, you know, on a cellular level, there's just so much going on. And so I was also very, a bit more spiritual in my approach in that I really wanted to be accepting of what was going on so that I could then heal and treat myself. So you know, I spoke to my lump and gave it love and all of that kind of thing and just said, you know, I'm sorry that I haven't been as in my body as I should have been. And that helped me. It's not everyone's approach, but that really helped me make peace a bit with what was going on and also an acceptance, which I think then put me in a positive frame of mind to deal with the treatment and the healing. Yeah, wow. And two things that you mentioned, one was taking responsibility and being proactive. So well done on being so proactive and and not being in a sense of denial, but just taking yourself off to the doctor for a, a swift diagnosis. But the other thing is that you mentioned touching the lump and, and, and talking to it. And this is a method that's often used for someone with scarring to actually touch the scarring and look at it in the mirror and accept it. And it's taking responsibility and it helps with healing psychologically and spiritually as well. And that's not a woo-woo. That is something that is often practiced mm. for someone with scarring. So uh, well done on just doing that intuitively. I'd like to hear some things that surprised you about your treatment, whether it be negative or positive. The length of treatment really surprised me. I guess sort of I hadn't even really thought about it a lot and I didn't know anyone who'd been through breast cancer treatment close to me, so I hadn't been through the experience. But once I kind of realised that I was going to be in treatment for over a year, that was a really kind of full-on thing to get my head around but what I quickly did then was I just sort of broke it down into the different phases and um, rather than look ahead too far I thought okay I've got my because my chemotherapy was broken down into two phases so the first phase I had four rounds of AC chemo every three weeks so I just sort of broke it I thought okay I've got to get through four rounds every three weeks so let's focus on getting that done and what do I need to do to support my mind and body to get through that and then I'll you know and even every time I 
went through a chemo session, I'd kind of give, you know, whoever a high five and it felt like I was ticking things off and getting things accomplished. The other thing that really surprised me about my treatment was just the level of, I guess, energy and time that you need to put into into it. It's it's like a full-time job. It's just your whole life becomes consumed by what you need to do. And so it is really confronting. And I guess the other thing is, is that it wasn't the actual cancer. I, I had no symptoms of illness or sickness apart from obviously the lump. And it, it's really the treatment and the side effects of the treatment that make you kind of feel sick or lose your hair or whatever it is. I mean, everyone has different side effects, different reactions. And that part of it was, you know, that was confronting in some ways as well. Mm. And are you able to share any specific skin changes that you noticed both during and also following the treatment? Yeah. So during the treatment, I know, look, my skin, I think through chemo, my skin, just texture and the the colour and everything is just, yeah, you just lose a lot of what I would say is your life force in a way. And even though I supported myself with an incredible naturopath and quite a lot of other complementary therapies, so a lot of people said to me, gosh, you still look really well. Like, well, I, I lost a lot of weight during chemo and I also developed a bit of an allergy skin allergy to a couple of the targeted treatments I was having. So I got a really quite a nasty rash across my chest and that I I had to manage that. And my skin was also a lot more sensitive, I guess. So even when I decided I wasn't going to wear any perfumes and I guess, look, I hadn't really been wearing perfume for a while. I'd been using essential oil instead, but I think one day I went to put some perfume on just to see how my body would react. And my skin felt like it was burning alive. It was horrible. Yeah. And then, you know, I had, when I had the port put in initially, I had a lot of, you know, I had a bit of scarring and I had a lot of bruising. So it was managing all of that. And even after my lumpectomy, the surgery, you know, I had a lot of hard scar tissue and I went to a fantastic physiotherapist who specializes in sort of oncology massage and got a lot of massage with that because I also had some cording in my um, arm as well which is kind of I think it's basically scar tissue sometimes happens when you have lymph nodes taken out and so that I had to get that massaged as well but that's all really seems to have um, resolved itself because I have used you know really good practitioners to help me And I also, I spend a lot more time now just using kind of moisturiser and just making sure that I'm I'm kind of, yeah, I guess, keeping in touch with with how my skin is. And I guess the other thing is that I, you know, having hormone receptor breast cancer, I've now started taking tamoxifen, which I'll be taking for at least five years post, post being diagnosed. So... I'm kind of officially going into menopause. So I'll be interested to see what skin changes I notice. I haven't noticed anything too major yet, apart from the fact that my skin is probably more dehydrated. But what I have noticed actually 
recently is my skin is now becoming, I guess, fuller. I've put on weight fuller. I'm, I'm getting my life force back, which is really nice. Uh, mm. I'm really, yeah. I, I you know, I, I look back and go, actually, I didn't look as well as I thought I did whilst I had cancer. Now that I'm, you know, getting back to my sort of my, my normal weight and, and feeling in my body as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's great to hear that you're feeling more like yourself and mm. you're getting that glow back. So what kind of, I guess, support was provided in relation to the discomfort with the skin changes? You know, you said that you had quite a significant rash along where you were, was that having radiotherapy? Was that no, that rash came through the targeted therapy I was having with chemo. Yeah, so no, I wasn't the only option really that I was provided. There was a, you know, a steroid cream and calamine lotion. That was the two things that were advised. But the steroid cream, I think, helped a bit. I was using a lot of moisturiser as well. And I guess that's a good point you make about radiation. I did a lot of skin prep before radiation. So my, my skin held up really apparently extremely well during radiation. I didn't get any discomfort at all, really just a tinge, a little pink tinge. I had 20 sessions of radiation, so it was four weeks, five days a week. I sprayed my breast with like this green tea preparation. I then used some moisturising, very natural moisturising cream called Mugu. And then over the top of that, I used a special, I guess, uh, cream for radiation called Extrata. And I'd put that over the top. So I'd do that before every treatment. And then after every treatment, I would moisturise quite a lot too. And yeah, my skin held up really well. I didn't get any dermatitis or any burning. That's fabulous to hear. And it's really amazing, isn't it? Just a simple skin regime and what a difference it can make to the actual outcome. Yes, absolutely. And I, that was really important to me as well. And I, my naturopath who specialises in oncology naturopathy gave me this kind of skincare routine. I wasn't provided that by the, the hospital or the breast care nurses. They didn't really... When they gave a little bit of advice about what you could use, but I, I found that I got this information from my naturopath and, a, a, you know, a quite a detailed detailed instructions on, on what, what I needed to do. And it meant I needed required sort of half an hour to 45 minutes prior to going to get it done so that, I, you know, each phase could dry off and that kind of thing. But look, for me, it was really well worth it. And it meant that I wasn't in any discomfort and didn't get any of the burning that you can sometimes get after radiation, which can be quite uncomfortable, I believe. Mm, That's really good to hear. You mentioned in our pre-interview and even just before how you took quite a holistic approach to your health during and even after your treatment. So tell us about this journey and the things that you did. Yeah, so, so my philosophy from the start was very much about obviously using Western medicine, but also complementing that with, you know, complementing that with holistic therapies. I really believe that to keep my mind and body in a strong position whilst I was going through treatment, I needed to look at other ways to do that. So I'd already had a very, you know, regular kind of meditation practice. So I brought that into 
my day once to twice a day. And that was really all about just visualising myself in this beautiful, healthy circle. I put myself in a circle of health and just hold myself in that vision. I used to do that most mornings and that just to feel what it was going to be that the, my healthy vision of myself once I got through breast cancer. And that for me was just really beautiful. I could feel what that felt like. And that always, I guess, made me feel positive as I started the day. I did uh, a lot of energy healing, which was just looking at dealing with the emotions that came up as a result of being diagnosed with breast cancer. I was very lucky. I had a beautiful close friend of mine who is a healer. And so she would come and even, you know, before and after chemotherapy, just uh, work on certain emotional points in my body or blockages. And I found that, yeah, an incredibly, you know, vulnerable experience, but it also was just very peaceful. I, I also saw a kinesiologist and she also helped me work through some of the, I guess, emotional stuff that was coming up for me whilst I was with cancer. I guess it's a very, for me, it was the first time that I really had faced my own mortality. You know, that it's incredibly confronting, but in that also comes an absolute, this deeper meaning of, you know, what does my life mean? Who do I mean something to? Is there something more I can get out of my life if I get another chance to see this next phase of my life through? And how do I want that to look? So that was a really important part of the experience for me as well, using breast cancer treatment and the diagnosis and the way it was transforming my life to actually really have an impact on what I would do afterwards. And part of that was going through some of these, I guess, complementary therapies and getting a real, a deeper dive into myself and what my life had been whether I needed to make changes, what um, I have taking accountability for my own health and what I wanted to look like that moving forward. And I guess one of the big decisions that I'd made leading up to my diagnosis was I'd stopped drinking alcohol. I'd done dry July and then I just decided that I didn't want to continue drinking in August and then I was diagnosed and I'd done a bit of a look at, you know, my drinking habits and I'd worked out that I'd had some really unhealthy binge drinking habits over, over a long period of time. I think like many Australians growing up in the 80s, like I did, it was just, it was something that was normalised and something that I think, yeah, once I looked at it, I was like, no, nope, this is not a habit that I want to take into my life post breast cancer. So I've just ticked over you know, 13 or 14 months and I haven't drunk and I don't feel like it and I don't think I will. But yeah, other therapies that I did really provided, I guess, an opportunity for me to have a really deep dive into, yeah, my emotional life and spiritual life. And even though that was confronting, it was also really rewarding as well. Do you think if you didn't have the diagnosis of breast cancer that you would have ever, I mean, this is just theoretical, but mm. that you would have ever had the opportunity to do this kind of self-development and spiritual development that you've done in the last 18 months? I was already, I guess, in that world a bit where I was kind of, I already had a kinesiologist. I was already doing healing and this sort of thing. But I think I went into it in a different way. 
And I think it's very easy when life's going well to look at, you know, being having gratitude and meditating all those things. It's sort of when things go dark and things get really tough in life. It's for me, it's like, okay, well, I had these tools that I used that really were incredible in helping me get through, not only get through it well, but I think I've come through a deeper person I think I've come through a more vulnerable person and I think it's actually changed it's changed my life in such a way that you know I've resigned from my job that I've worked in for a long period of time and I'm just opening up into a a whole new I guess a, a new path that if I'd had breast cancer I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be doing this. So as much as I wouldn't wish a breast di- a breast cancer diagnosis on anyone there have been so many incredible positives that I have been able to, I guess, focus on during and afterwards. That's really interesting. And a common theme that I've found as well, we've recently had Dr. Kira Barr, who's a dermatologist who self-diagnosed herself with melanoma and it completely changed the way that she now practices. Mm -hmm. And another guest who was diagnosed with stage four melanoma, who is just, I guess her life has changed in, in lots of ways for the better. And she looks at her whole journey with a sense of gratitude. It's just quite incredible. I myself haven't had any significant health, I guess, traumas or journeys in my life, but it is, I guess it's comforting to see that while, of course, the big C word, and by the big C word, I'm thinking cancer, not COVID at the moment, is, you know, really scary that many people that I speak to that have been able to luckily come out the other side have this sense of gratitude and this deepening of joy in their life. Yeah, absolutely. It it is quite remarkable. I mean, you know, gratitude is a word that we hear a lot. And I guess for me, gratitude, I did just, my life slowed down so much when I was going through cancer. And I feel like it has now, like I feel, you know, often we don't appreciate exactly what the art of being alive and living really is and I guess for me I realized that it is pretty special and it's a privilege to be alive and what does that actually mean and for me I realized how much I wanted to be alive as well and how much living was it wasn't just something to take for granted and just to go you know what let's just you know get that house renovation and let's just keep making money and blah 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 I sort of hopped off and I thought that's not what's important to me. And so I guess the being present for myself and in my life is something that I feel has really changed since I've had cancer. I also feel like I'm just able to embrace, you know, the imperfection of of who I am and who others are. And just that's actually pretty incredible. And I think the relationship I have with myself is a much more loving, connected, deeper relationship because I've had to really look into the depths and the darkness in there, which is we all face that when our mortality comes. And I'd never really had to look at that before or think about what would happen with my kids or my husband or those questions do come up and I think the other thing that we forget is that there's so much joy in ordinary mundane moments that just flip by and I now always cherry pick a few of those every day on my walk 
when I'm in the car. They're just those things come to me now and they never did because I was too busy. I mean, not that they never did, but they're there for me. I feel like the filter that I look at my life has changed and that again I feel so grateful for that and I feel like I've connected more wholeheartedly with myself so it means that I can connect more wholeheartedly with the people around me so that again is yes something that I'm really just so grateful for from this experience it has sort of a bit of ripple effect with the relationships in your life and it's actually not to say that you don't go through challenges with some of those along the way as well it can bring up pain and dysfunction and all of those things but then once you face those things it actually then opens up a whole kind of vulnerability and and growth that you never expected that you could have yeah so and I think I generally do just have a deeper spiritual awareness and connection as well yeah how beautiful and that thing that you mentioned where you as you've got this filter perhaps it's mm. the and I'm not going to pronounce this correctly but the better Mendenhoff phenomenon where you see something or you you know you buy a car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere or like I know when we got our puppy he's an Italian greyhound all of a sudden I saw the same dog everywhere yeah. <laughs> but it's this sense and and you explained it then that it was all there Everything was all there already, all these little bits of joy that you're now noticing just because your filter has changed. So I think that's a little bit of, I guess, advice for anyone. Once you start looking for those things, you're going to start seeing them a lot more often. And especially in a time where we're all experiencing, I guess, different levels of trauma, for lack of a better term, due to the current state of the world, just looking for those little things, we will start to see them more often. Now, I would like to ask, communication is something that you have known in your career as a communicator, and you mentioned some ways that you communicated differently, especially when you were telling your loved ones about your diagnosis. Mm. But what about communicating with your friends and family with what you need? Because a common theme that I hear when someone is diagnosed with cancer or a chronic disease is that they, especially for women, women find it quite difficult to ask for help. So do you have any tips, maybe from your career as, mm. as a communicator, but also with someone with lived experience, some tips for either someone that is going through something where they just feel like they want to ask for help or they want to tell people to ca calm down, cool it and ask for space. And then also some tips for perhaps a loved one or family member of ways that they can communicate. Yeah, so it's a good question. I think communication is and can be particularly hard when you're the person who is often the centre of family and the one who's running a lot of what's going on. I think from my perspective, what worked really well is that I basically, I guess, handed over some of my I guess whether it's whether I call it control or whatever it was to people that I trusted. So I had a couple of very close girlfriends who set up a WhatsApp group that was kind of like a cat support group where they all sort of, I guess, conversed and looked after things for me and offered support or someone would come to me and say, what do you need? And I would say, I would like this or this or this. I don't want this. And so that then all got fed through the one channel. 
so that I didn't have a thousand different messages coming at me. And I found that really, really useful. And, you know, my mum in my family was fantastic. She and dad would, you know, often would generally come to a lot of my chemo appointments, but then feedback, you know, to my brothers, what was going on. And look, for me, I set up an Instagram account which documented my journey and my experience with breast cancer. And look, not everyone wants to be public facing like that. But for me, it was a really cathartic experience, but also enabled people to share in my experience without having to constantly text or interact with me. And it also, yeah, it provided me with this platform that I actually now see as a huge part of the healing for me because I was able to hop on in a video or do some posts that, yeah, actually released some stuff and helped me. And people could interact if they wanted to. They could put a comment or whatever. And even some of those words of support were really, really beautiful and and really meaningful to me because the energy sometimes that just comes back from a really lovely word of support or comment actually means so much to that person. You might not think that it does, And that was the other thing that I would say from my perspective, and this is only my perspective because everyone is different. It was just really beautiful to get a text message or a message from someone saying, I'm thinking of you. I hope you're okay. You're doing a really great job. I've been watching. And sometimes people think, oh, no, they won't want to hear from me or I won't bother them. And I would say, you know what? You're never bothering anyone if you're thinking of them and you're sending them a message of, support and because I think it's one of those things a cancer diagnosis is something some people find really hard to look I found it they don't know how to address it they don't know what to say it's uncomfortable for people they don't want to make you uncomfortable and they don't know how you're going and again from my perspective ignoring or not saying anything is the worst thing you can do The best thing you can do is just acknowledge it because you know what? It is actually all that is going on in someone's life at that point in time. And if you can't acknowledge that for someone who is, you know, who you want to, then that says something about you and it's really important to acknowledge it. I had, you know, a couple of instances with people who there weren't, were absent for me and that was really painful. Uh, And it, I think it was stuff that was going on for them, not me. But yeah, I think communication around cancer and and diagnosis and treatment and all of that is really difficult because some people want to do it all on their own and that's okay too. I brought people into treatment with me. I wanted their energy around me. I wanted to have the love of my friends and family there. That was for me, that felt good, but it doesn't, it's not what feels good for everyone. And I think the other communication for me that was really super helpful was having a, I guess, having someone in the early days who'd been through the experience that I could talk to, who had a similar philosophy to me, who was positive, who was able to say to me, you know what, you're going to be okay and I've got through this and I've done this and this. And I remember I had an hour conversation with a girl. I was lucky I was put on to by another friend and she was amazing. I just, I felt so much more positive after speaking to her and she'd check up on me and text me to see how I was going. And that made a big difference to me. Mm, That's great to hear. And even just your social media journey, 
reading or hearing someone else's lived experience for someone that is going through it can just mean the world because they don't feel so alone. They don't feel so isolated because often when you're going through something, you can feel like you're the first person ever that is going through this grief and this, this fear and, and all the other emotions. So we will make sure that we include your social media links in the show notes as well for anyone that would like to connect with you. I'd like to hear though, Catherine, what would you like to see in the future of breast cancer care in Australia? So anything that may have helped your journey a little bit easier? Obviously, the way that I've approached it, I would love to see a more holistic approach to breast cancer treatment. I would love people to have access to, I guess, the therapies that I had access to, as well as, you know, oncology, naturopaths and those sorts of things. I know that in the kind of the Western system, they're just starting to, you know, really recommend that people do exercise as part of their treatment, which is fantastic. But I think there's still a long, 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 long way to go. And look, the thing with it is that, you know, it's expensive. A lot of these treatments are expensive and breast cancer treatment is expensive. So it's hard to have to put everything in the mix Um, And I guess the other thing that I would love to see is post-treatment and post, I guess, active treatment, I would like to see more support for people who have come out the other side and who still want to share their stories and connect with people. I mean, I believe that from my experience, you know, you can, I guess, experience, you know, kind of post-traumatic growth. And in those positive stories, there's a lot there for people to share and learn from and grow from. And I think in Australia, there's great sort of online support for when you are going through treatment, but there isn't, I guess, I haven't found a place where I'd love to be able to go into a Zoom meeting every two or three weeks and catch up with some people who've been through the experience and chat with them and hear how they're going and hear how life's going. Because for me, breast cancer is not an experience I want to forget about and park. It's part of who I am. It's part of my life and it's a really important part of my life story and I still want to talk about it and share it. And the people that most get that are people that have been through it. And I have now made, you know, quite a lot of what I call my breast cancer friends because we have a shared lived experience and that connects us really deeply. And when you can talk with those people and, you know, connect emotionally on your experiences, it's very powerful and it continues the healing that you need to do. You know, I... I, The funny thing is a lot of people expect, you know, once you've done your treatment and you're through cancer or, you know, you're cancer-free or in remission, that's it. Well, no, no, it it actually isn't. I don't see it that way. I say once you've had a cancer diagnosis, cancer has been part of your life and you don't want people and you don't want to forget about that either because it it does change your life so significantly and, and you have a choice as to how you let it define you or not and I think... Yeah, for me, it's an, an ongoing experience that I'm yeah, still processing, still processing. And yeah, even as the anniversary comes up, I'm feeling a lot of grief welling up this month. I, I can feel it and I, I have to look at it and address it because I keep thinking this time last year, I had no idea what was about to happen in my life. And here I am 12 months later and I've actually got through and I don't have cancer anymore, but my life is forever different. 
Mm, in some ways it probably feels like yesterday but also a Mm. decade ago yeah absolutely it really does Mm. and with COVID over the top you know like (laughs) what a weird 12 months (laughs) yeah just when you wanted to get out there I know well that was the thing well do you know I was so lucky I got a girls weekend in between you know lockdown so and had a couple of opportunities. So I do feel very grateful that I did get my girls weekend in before the second lockdown. Good. That's very important. That's very important. <laughs> so what's next for you, Catherine? Ah, big question, hey? I've got a few things I'm working on. I'm really keen to use my experience. Apart from, um, you know, working communications and in PR, I've also done sort of a, a health and wellbeing coaching a qualification as well. So I'm really keen to, I guess, go into some type of breast cancer recovery coaching. So I'm working on that and a couple of other things. But yeah, I'm also very keen to give back. So with the BCNA, I'm hoping to work and do some consumer advocacy work for them and do some volunteering it's an area I really want to give back in. And yeah, I'm also really, yeah, the two things I guess I'm really keen on generating awareness around is, you know, the links between alcohol consumption and breast cancer. So there are strong links and I don't think it's out there enough. You know, 15 to 20% of breast cancers do have a link to alcohol consumption. And I don't think we as women are given that information enough. And uh, so that is something I think is really important. So watch this space. I'd love to perhaps have you on in another 12 months or so and see what you're doing with your health coaching and with your communication because I sense that there's something exciting about to come about. But where can people find more about you and follow along with your journey? Yeah, sure. So my Instagram account is at healing breast cancer so that's where I've been documenting my experience and I'm still continuing to do that and I also have a website which is www.catherineelliot.net.au yeah so that also is pretty much my website that documents it's kind of my Instagram account on a website yeah but no I do have some really exciting plans over the next 12 months and yeah I mean my experience with breast cancer is what has I guess given me a lot of creative ideas as well and being in COVID it's been a really creative time for me I'm feeling kind of quite excited about what will come from this time too. Mm, That's excellent well thank you so much for spending your time with us it was just yeah really heartwarming and yeah it was all the emotions it was great to hear from you Kath. Oh thank you so much I've really enjoyed it I guess I love the opportunity to be able to share my story because I think through sharing our stories we not only you know help ourselves with you know, healing and releasing, but also I've found that it's such a privilege to hear other people's stories and I love hearing other people's stories. So the fact that you've got a podcast and you give people the opportunity to do this is is wonderful. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
Wow, what an incredible journey and story that Catherine shared with us about the last 12 months and what her life has looked like and completely changed the the journey that she thought she was on perhaps 18 months ago. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were number one, be in tune with your body. Make sure that you're doing regular skin checks. Make sure that you notice and pay attention to any slight changes. Had Catherine not noticed and been proactive and seen her doctor in regards to the lump on her breast, then her treatment journey could have looked completely differently. She was able to catch it early because she was aware of what was happening within her body. Number two, it's really important to look after your skin. As Catherine mentioned, she had quite a regime when she was leading up to treatment. And as a result, she healed better. Um, She didn't have significant rashes uh, and even the scarring could have been reduced had she not been looking after her skin through that time as well. And number three, communication. Catherine spoke about the way that she intentionally crafted the messages and the way that she told her loved ones and family members about her cancer diagnosis. And this is really important that it's one part of your treatment journey, whether you have a chronic skin condition, whether you've been diagnosed with cancer, that you can choose the way that you communicate. And when there's loved one's health uh, and some kind of disease or condition concerned, emotions can run high. So if you are able to take the time to craft the way that you'd like to communicate, it's a way of gaining back some control out of a situation that you might feel completely out of control and can also reduce that increased emotion that can sometimes just run rife um, and, and be another additional thing that you need to deal with and and comprehend as well. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. If you have someone that may be going through breast cancer or has just been diagnosed with a chronic condition, I would love for you to share this episode with them. I think Catherine has shared so many little bits of gold that someone can really take with them and also some fantastic advice for loved ones and family members as well. So just share this episode, uh, take a screenshot where you're listening, tag us on social media, and we'll see you again or hear from, you'll hear from me again next week for another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. Until then, be skin powered.